boom, go. And immediately you're out there and these people are trying to knock you down. Here's what she said that caught my attention. We want to target our marketing to younger people to consume our product. Um, I think it's criminal. You know, because oftentimes I think about torture techniques and <laughs> yeah, the worst. It's I still feel pretty stupid though. Like more than usual? Yeah, more than, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my God. Do you want to be productive or not? Don't lie to me. <laughs> Thanks for being here. In the new studio, we are in Sedona at Tracy and I's house. We built out this designated studio for the Sober Bros podcast. Uh, this is the first recording with it. I barely got it set up before we hit record, and I think it's pretty much good to go. There's a few more things I'd like to do, but I'm feeling good about it. We got a light situation going on in front and back. We're all mic'd up. These it's chairs. Very cozy. It's yeah. Very cozy. Got the shelf from ikea got the chairs from ikea big fan of ikea fell in love with it it's your first time yeah it was my first time there that place is um as much as i like to get away from like consumerism and you're all about essentialism you know there's like something they put something in the air when you walk in there they put something in the air i think because almost everybody gets caught off guard you know that's like kind of against those types of places you walk in there and you're just like this place is amazing i just want to sleep on every one of the beds like I want to go through all the drawers and the chest of drawers and yeah, check everything out. Um, the music that they were playing was very good. Uh, you know, I'm very critical when I go to places like yeah. any restaurant, any store, any business. Oh yeah, it's I'm one of the first things I notice. Anyway, uh, that was a fun trip to Phoenix. That was for my birthday back on April 12th. Hmm. Uh, these sound panels got off of uh, Amazon. Uh, they when we first moved into this room, it was super echoey. But now we got a rug, we got sound panels, and uh, it's good to go. So I'm loving it. I hope you are enjoying it. We got two cameras set up for the podcast now, uh, seeing how that goes here instead of just one angle. Always trying to do whatever we can to up the production value and make this a more enjoyable experience for you to be watching or listening. But if you're watching, you can watch it on YouTube or Spotify. It's a video podcast, so it's playing on both those platforms. If you haven't followed on Spotify or subscribed on YouTube, or just check it out on Google Play if you got an Android phone or Apple Podcasts for the iPhones. Uh, all your support really helps if you go ahead and share this with someone, give it a like, comment on whatever platform you're uh, consuming this content on, and uh, keep on sending in the comments and messages. For now, I'm actually kind of curious just what's been going on with you because, you know, despite what some people might think, even though we are brothers, we don't talk every day. Daniel's always doing his thing on the land or working at Chocolate Tree, the restaurant in Sedona, and I'm doing my thing here. So um, that's one of the things I like about this podcast. It's a good time to catch up with you. So what's mm -hmm. been going on this week? Been really busy. What are you happy about? What are you sad about? What are you busy about? I've been really busy just with projects on the land, um, just moving a lot of debris that got washed up in the flood. Um, That's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, and I don't go to the gym, which most people think I do. Right. 
so I've been doing a lot of work on the land, like carrying big, like huge. We got these logs, cottonwood logs, and we some guys split them up with a chainsaw. And there's huge rounds that are, you know, close to 100 pounds each. And I'm just like picking these things up and moving them and just exhausting myself because um, it's still kind of hard to go to sleep. So I find that physically exhausting myself has been really good. So yeah, doing a lot of just like land clearing. Uh, mending various pieces of soil, planting lots of flowers and getting ready for the spring and uh, really busy working at the restaurant. And that's been um, a little bit tricky because if I'm there late at all and I drive home at night, there's that thing. Still, it's like very fucking real. The temptations. Still. The temptations, you know, a couple nights ago, like I had to tell Radhika, the owner of the chocolate tree, I can't, I don't want to be scheduled to close anymore. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because you lock those doors, you just like let the stress out, you know, it's been busy. And that's typically when I would just, you know, down that, several beers. That habit pattern months. is like really built into you because you were, that was your MO for kind of like years. years. So, you know, it's, why make it harder for yourself to like change that? Yeah, know? it's just too hard, you know, and you know you got things like this you know and it kind of it does something helps out but um um i felt like this last week the first you know we've been sober i think today's day 22 uh yeah today's the 22nd today's the 23rd <laughs> something like that something like that anywhere like 22 21 22 days sober and the first couple of weeks were I just feel feeling a lot of levity, elation as the body is just like not just subdued by alcohol. And I think this last week, um, I started getting into some of those deeper layers as um, the emotions start more coming out and things start to go kind of into a balance. And I've experienced this before. So this last week was um, a lot of reflecting on the patterns and really addressing some of those issues and and sitting with them and just letting them naturally come up and so it's been a little bit more of a heavy week for me most emotionally and psychologically energetically and um yeah that gathering at your house the other day we had a david had a a soft opening at the house just a few friends no alcohol but even, yeah, we had barbecue, the yeah. whole thing, sunset, barefoot on the grass, classic drinking opportunity. Right. Grass-fed burger patties, little fire. So there was that social anxiety for me, you know, especially sober. And these are even people that I know that I'm comfortable with, but it was still there. I was going to go stop by the grocery store on my way home and get a bottle of vodka to make tinctures. But the way I was feeling, you know, Sophie was with me and I got in the car and was like, you just got to go home. I don't trust myself driving home with a bottle of vodka at nighttime. So managed to do that. But um, yeah, managing those temptations has been getting a little bit easier. But um, some of those like deeper raw emotions have been coming up, you know, that are humbling and I I love it you know I'm not just I you know I don't resist any of these feelings I welcome them and I'm happy to to be with them but just witnessing that yeah this last week was a little bit heavier not as ecstatic as the first couple weeks yeah yeah that makes sense as the body's initially liberated from the 
burden or whatever, you know, there's a uptick in the euphoria for you. And then maybe settling into some of that deeper stuff exactly you say i get that yeah and and with those kind of heavier feelings comes more of the desire to go back to alcohol yeah i've we've certainly done that in the past you know stop for a few days a couple weeks whatever right you're like man i feel so good and i've for for me it's like yeah I, i did really good for that week or two right there i was clean and you know i man, let's just have a drink tonight or tomorrow. And then it turns into another couple of years of a, right. So, yeah. And this time it's just, it's just different and I'm not caving into it and just really putting a lot more effort into just not returning to it. So that's what's been going on for me this last week. What's up with you? You know, the main thing uh, the the biggest thing for me uh, was one of our kittens died mm-hmm. right out on the road, uh, you know, got hit by a car. I'm finally kind of over it now, but the, the grief, I suppose it's called, those feelings, that's called grief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weird emotions, like. Yeah. It's like you have gas or something, but it's instead of like here, it's like here. Yeah, I didn't. It's the yeah. same feeling. <laughs> I didn't feel normal. I guess it's called grief. And uh, it was pretty hard like the first day because what happened was the cat, I was in here working. And then I heard some meowing that was like sort of a cry for help meow. And I went out and Cedar, the little boy's name, only f- seven months old, uh, was in the bedroom kind of flopping around his whole back half was flattened jesus and he was trying to stand up and kept falling over like because his pelvis is all diagonal or whatever you know and i was i was a little bit shocked or just like yeah my what are my eyes seeing Mm -hmm. and i'm like trying to assess the situation really quickly like are you okay or not okay yeah and so i decided that he was really not okay and should probably be so i called the vet they had a spot um put him in a crate was driving there and unfortunately traffic was a little bad busy season in sedona and he was just sort of looking at me and meowing in the crate the whole drive terrified yeah probably in shock couldn't get up you know i I didn't I had a hard time even picking him up to put him in the creek because I didn't want to hurt him, you know. Mm-hmm. And we get to the vet. They gave him the x-rays and stuff, Gave, came back in and told me what's up, you know, showed me the x-rays, said, yeah, he's in really bad shape, blah, blah, blah. You can spend, like, many thousands of dollars, take him up to Flagstaff and have the surgery. Yeah. It's going to cost you a lot of money over the long run in various ways. And the outcome of his health would be uncertain. It could he could end up being fine, or he could end up being like really fucked up, <clears throat> fucked up for however long he might live, or he, you can put him down. And I was having a hard time with that. Sure, I mean, yeah, the gravity of that situation it was like ending this animal's life that you so quickly bonded with. Yeah, because <clears throat> him and his little sister, who's survived and with us now she's just outside the door meowing for me actually we had him for four months uh but i 
am a big cat lover. I it's probably true many people could say that uh I love animals and cats specifically more than humans. For sure. I would definitely say that's the case. <clears throat> and so every day, you know, I would play with them, pet them, feed them tuna, you know, make sure they're okay and all that and um so it was hard. Uh and I was crying and and that was the uh Last time I had cried before the, the other day that this happened was 2014, some like nine years Philadelphia. ago. Philadelphia? Philadelphia, when I had let that other cat go. Uh, so I sort of have an aversion to crying. No way. Yeah, which is weird because almost every day something, I might think of something or hear something, whatever, and the feeling is kind of there of like melancholy or... sure. You know, because oftentimes I think about general suffering in the world and also torture techniques. And <laughs> you think about torture techniques? Unfortunately, I do. That's not something. Like I which ones? Oh man, I can't even get into it. But like what? The yeah, the worst. Like shoving a knife under fingernails? Oh, that that would be. A, I would pray for. I that. could handle a lot more. I mean, that right there. I would, yeah. I would rather. Anyway. Yeah. So it's crazy where my mind goes. You know, because. I listen, I've listened to like Jocko Willink and war right. stories and there's unspeakable atrocities that have happened and torture. So I've heard those stories and so they, for years, and so they're in me a little bit. And so I, I have an imagination. I can't help but think of them. I wish I didn't because it's uncomfortable to think about. Hmm. But I'll think about the suffering and the Is that going to be like in the bonus footage <laughs> in the newsletter? Oh, what? David describes... Oh, like yeah. Yeah, vicious, sign up for the newsletter if you want to... Vicious torture techniques uh -huh. bonus material. Yeah. Yeah, if you're interested, sign up for the newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, anyway. Um, right. Uh, I, I, I feel the emotions of sadness, but I don't cry. Um, so, anyway, losing Cedar was rough. That, yeah. was, that was really rough for me. And, and even as the five or so days that have gone by... Um, the first day was the worst. I kept having the vision of the whole thing play out over and over like a loop on repeat in my head and a hard time going to sleep because it was just so damn sad. And then the next day was a little better, um, but I felt a little guilty for continuing to hustle on the podcast. Mm -hmm. This is pretty much all I do now. Um, and so it has to be done to do it well. And I felt guilty about focusing on productivity for the podcast rather than sitting around doing nothing other than thinking of him and grieving. Right. So I'm a little conflicted about dying and death and how to honor living beings when Did they... Did you leave the body at the vet? They gave me the option of... I didn't know these things, but they told me through my tears. They were like, so you can take him home with you and bury him, or we can cremate him and you can take the ashes, or you can put him into what they call general cremation. Or something. No, they just throw in a bunch of cats. Yeah, they just toss them into a pile of dead cats. <laughs> and so I I wanted to Here's how here's what how I wanted it to go down. I wanted to be with him by his side when mm -hmm. they injected him. And I wanted to take his body home and bury him. But my state at that time I couldn't. Hmm. It was just too much. Mm-hmm. 
So through my tears, I just said, just make it disappear. I didn't mm -hmm. say that, but that's what I, mm -hmm. I was just mm -hmm. like, this has to go away. Right. And so I said, just put them in the general cremation. So that's what they did. And then, like, after he was dead, sometimes I get, like, a little bit mad at him. I'd be like, you fucking little boy. I know. Fucking running across the road. What are you doing? Right. But they don't have the concept of these interesting moving things can kill me. After his death, it got me thinking again, as I often do, about life and suffering and happiness and tragedy and happiness and dying and death and what happens after death, if anything, the whole spectrum mm -hmm. of the cycle of life and death is so, on one hand, simple as we can see it, as I just described it. But on the other hand, so mysterious because yeah. it is really mysterious. I mean, with the quantum metaverse and the metaphysical background of the universe and all the, if you do psychedelics and get in touch with all the dimensions and all this, it's like, what is really going on? Okay, and there's psychologists and books written about it. But I have, thinking about these things can have some really valuable takeaways. They do for me anyway. I'm sure they probably do for you. Like a couple points specifically. A reminder that life can be extinguished in an instant. Like that day, I checked on him at one moment. He was playing in the grass. Everything was fine. I came back here to work for another 30 minutes. Next thing I know, he's meowing, deformed, dead. Okay, and that can happen with Tracy, you know, if she's driving, head on collision, whatever, or you, anybody could like die in an instant. And I don't know what to do about that, but just try and appreciate the people while we're alive. But it's so easy to take things for granted. Right. And I think we can all be forgiven for that. Uh, the other big takeaway for me is <clears throat> so. What about our lives while we're here? And then when we die, however we die, what is the legacy we leave behind? What were we doing with our lives? Like, were we just selfish and doing our own thing and playing video games and not really just have a nine to five job and just get by in this world? No judgment if you are, but for me, I like to try and live life with more purpose. And so it got me thinking about me and other people peripherally what are we doing with our lives and our, the legacy we leave behind are we trying to do something good and bring more good into the world are we trying to be kinder and more creative and inspirational to the whole life community or are we just living for nothing and selfish indulgent re reasons so <clears throat> for me personally and with this show I I really want to try and, yes, enjoy the process of experiencing life, but also try and turn on light bulbs for other people. So when I do die, people can say, you know, that David, he, he was okay, but it, maybe that's selfish. 
and I'm getting very kind of cerebral, but maybe it's very selfish to try and control what other people think after I'm gone. Well, there's certainly a psychological component to that, you know, like uh, I want people to remember me a certain way or I want to be remembered at all. But I think that <clears throat> most people probably want to be remembered in a positive light. Yeah, I think it's very natural for us to do so. And a book I read a long time ago that I really like is called Die Wise, A Manifesto for Sanity and Soul, written by Stephen Jenkinson. Yeah, see, that's a book you can recommend. Yeah. Next so time. We'll recommend that one next time. <laughs> and um, in it, among many other things, and he was a... Uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, Death doula? Yeah, somebody. Grief walker? Yeah, he meets like people who are dying and like sits with them. A death doula. Yeah. I think there's a more official term for that. He but... probably does. Yeah. One of the things he said in the book is that um, people, because he, he met with thousands of people who were dying and watched them die and their families and all that. And so he knows what he's talking about. He said something like, People, for the most part, want to be carried. They want to know that the others will carry them when they're gone, meaning in memory mm -hmm. and artifacts or whatever. Um, I guess it's part of our ego, but we want to be carried in some way. And a fear of dying that most people have is that they won't be carried. I think, yeah, I think that the desire to be remembered is a fear of death. Yeah. Because I think most people view I think so one of the most common perspectives of death is that well they don't know what's going to happen afterwards yeah and that they're gone and then it's all over and we're afraid that it's we're afraid of losing this body we're so identified with our own personalities and, and bodies and which is so fascinating that we're so afraid of death and Stephen Jenkinson goes into this quite a bit is that our and so does a Smell of Rain on Dust, Martin Pretchel, Martin Pretchel, whatever his name is, talks about <clears throat> how our culture has no like relationship with death or grief. And it's funny when babies are born, we're like, oh my God, we like throwing parties. Here's a cigar. It's pink and blue and all these things. And like, this is so amazing. Here's this baby. Everybody's celebrating that there's a baby. But where did that baby just come from? Came from the same place, I think, that people go to die. But wouldn't that be funny if we were, like, fucking giving birth and people are like, terrified? <laughs> Some people are. That, well, yeah, but I mean, like, oh, my God, this baby is coming from the place that people go to die. We're so afraid of that. We don't know what it is. But we just assume that these babies come from, I don't know, spears come from some cool place. Yeah. Yeah, well, that could all be very well a, a full episode in, in that subject there but uh for cedar dying i will yeah. i will say that he lived a good life let it be known and i'm i'm i try and carry him in the best way and there's no doubt about it he had a good life short life but good he had a very good life he couldn't ask for more and that's another thing that jingison said in die wise is that you know a lot of children die when they're um you know, two months old or t two years old and stillborn. Yeah. And many parents obviously grieve that, oh, the life was cut off too short and all this. But he has a different perspective on that, that 
they lived as good of life as somebody who's 90 and lived a good life sure, or whatever. Yeah. That time frame doesn't matter. What was the quality of it? And mm -hmm. so Cedar lived the best possible life. And I have a picture of him on my phone. And yeah, I, but I don't think... I mean, I'll, when you die, I'm just going to have a picture of you on your phone. That's, that's how. <laughs> Yeah, I can't control what you do. Oh, God, my brother died. I'm okay, it's my screensaver. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I would much prefer a print on the wall. Not going to do that. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, other than uh, Cedar Dine, um, got a new scooter, uh, electric scooter, so I can ride That's around great. town. Yeah. There's a pretty good bike trail around here in the Red Rocks. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, got a scooter. Um, life is good here in the house. It's Sedona. Staying sober, it's still an everyday thing. Yeah, that's that's pretty much been the most most of my week is overcoming that grief. Still feeling it a little, obviously, trying to get outside. Um, otherwise, inside here in, in the studio slash office, hustling the podcast, working on what I love actually. So, I, I yeah, I'm really really glad we're doing this. Really glad we're so yeah, absolutely. You know the. It's, I still feel pretty stupid, though. Really? Yeah, just and mentally, you know, like a like more than usual. Yeah, more than yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. Huh? Yeah, transitioning from. There's a lot of just the, the carbohydrates and and the alcohol is, still working out. I have some little skin issues. Okay. You know, so it it got deep in there. It's not going to go out overnight. No, it's been. A couple of decades, you know, of saturation. So um, it doesn't have to take years and years and years like people think. You know, we were definitely privy to a variety of modalities of getting these things out. Spring Dragon tea. I mean, if you can just do that every day, that's going to... Every night, yeah, I have tea. Yeah. Screens, green juice. Yeah, I got green juice during the day. Yeah. Spring Dragon. So you can expedite night. that. You get the membership to the gym, start sweating in the dry sauna. Yeah. Move those things out. Yeah, definitely going to do that. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. So I've got, uh, instead of looking at my phone, I've got a fancy clipboard and some notes here. Uh, <laughs> fancy clipboard. <laughs> and a hype button. Um, the next thing I want to talk about with you is it's been in the news uh, I haven't been watching a lot of news recently, but there's a topic that I've seen come up um, that I want to talk with you about and get some of your thoughts on. It's about <clears throat> Bud Light, the beer company, has been in the news recently because, well, from most of the headlines that I've seen, and I haven't really consumed a lot of the content, but I've watched a few videos and read a few articles, There, there's some controversy over, yes, uh, transgender um promotion thing they're doing but what really got my attention and that I want to talk to you about is I heard I saw a clip of the new vice president of marketing for Bud Light in an interview talking really positively about the new approach she's taking and she in passing here's what she said that caught my attention we want to target our marketing to younger people to consume 
our product. Yeah. That's what she said. Can you splice a clip of that in? I Yeah, so be sure to check the link in the description. I'm going to be linking to that clip that you can watch for yourself and an article as well if you just want to read it. Mm -hmm. But to me, that was shocking uh, just because in my, I guess in my sober state, I'm just more sensitive to, I, I kind of have a protector side in me. I like to protect those around me. If somebody came up and fucked with you, I would go into protector mode. Yeah. And I'm not sure what I would do because I'm in areas I might just explode. If somebody tried to pull some shit on Tracy, it, it would get really bad. Uh, if somebody tries to mess with my cats or another cat tries to mess with my cats, mm, as much as I love cats, I'll, I'll kick that one. Oh, for sure. You know? And so when I heard her say that... Oh, we're not... <laughs> we're not... Condoning... Condoning... The kicking of animal abuse animal, animal, of any kind. Right. So I think we the, might need a lawyer. Yeah. For that one. So with the kid, we got a kid on the way halfway here now. And uh, so that's a young person, a person of young age. Yeah. And um, so I, I heard her say that and I got protective of like other young, any young person because their brains aren't fully developed and all this. And so... I got protective about that, and I just think it's disgraceful at best for a company to be in so a, flagrant about it. Yeah, to do it in the first place, but then to say it be in public. It. Yeah, and she was. She was very proud of what she was saying. Right, and they're probably talking about young people as in like 21-year-olds, hopefully. Yeah. But even so, just to use that like generalized term, young people, that's... Uh... Yeah, and so from what I've seen uh bud lights um market shares or whatever are all like going down because of this bad publicity. oh i've seen yeah like some video footage of like trucks filling a parking lot up with cases and cases like thousands of cases of cans and bottles of bud light and just running them over with trucks that's great that sounds like fun <laughs> i'd like to do that they look like they're having fun yeah uh i've never liked bud light i don't even think i've had a bud light in my life yeah, I'm not sure if I have either. It definitely does not taste good. It's a poor product in all kinds of ways. Now, before I let you expound on it more, whatever you think about it, I just want to say that it's no surprise that a company would want to market to young people. Corporations with not the best intentions have been doing that for a long time. It's no surprise with the big brand tobacco companies and pharmaceuticals, they're targeting people and oftentimes young people. So I'm not naive and surprised that they're doing it and saying they're doing it. I just, right now, I just, it's not okay. And I just, I really wish these companies would just kind of go broke and not even exist in the first place. Yeah, targeting young people, and this isn't the first time they've been targeting people for many, many, many years, but uh, this may be the first time that they're so out in the open. Yeah, I really couldn't care less about the the transsexual thing. That doesn't bother me at all, but like intentionally targeting young people. And since having Sophie... Um, yeah, so you got a kid. She's six. Yep. <clears throat> and... Well, I'll say on the topic with Sophie is that having my daughter, like, you know, we don't watch normal television, you know, the, like the videos and stuff that we do watch are highly curated. So I choose them very specifically. I don't watch, 
and then I don't let her when she's with me. I don't let her watch um, childish movies. Children behave oftentimes like these parroting little kids because they're watching these things that are specifically designed to program them to act this way, right? So <clears throat> they'll just be like uh, repeating the stuff that they heard on really ridiculous, stupid, mind-numbing, consciousness-dulling television programs and stuff. So, you know, we don't watch that kind of thing. One of her favorite movies is The Royal Tenenbaums, you know? And some people would say that that's a little bit more, a little bit too mature for a kid like that, but uh, she gets it, you know, and she loves it. And I think it's highly intelligent and highly creative, and it can actually be, like, stimulating to the mind. But I came to the realization er, very early on with Sophie that there is, like, I can't even quantify it. I can't even put the number on it, but there's, like, a multi-trillion dollar campaign for for Sophie's consciousness, for the the consciousness of all young people who are exposed to all of these things. I mean, the, the trillions of dollars that are spent on marketing and media and these television programs and the fucking music, and it's all geared to like enslave us and to make us uh, consumers of whatever there it is. <clears throat> yeah, I think the Super Bowl would be a great example sure. of this because families are watching it, <clears throat> old people and young people are watching it, and that's a great opportunity for these big companies to insert some of that mind control or their agenda into the minds and souls of totally like on cigarettes now right every single package says this is going to kill you basically uh and once they did that uh tobacco sales dramatically plummeted you know so they had to come up with like different ways of luring people to smoke tobacco but yeah, and these advertisements, and I haven't seen these commercials for such a fucking long time, all these alcohol commercials, but they're all having such a great time, you know, and they're like meeting girls and they're meeting guys that are partying. And nobody's fat. They're all like Nobody's fit. fat. They're all fit. They don't, you know, I, it's just, for something that kills so many people, tobacco even, uh, for something like alcohol that kills so many people directly or indirectly, kills people or destroys lives directly or indirectly to be so heavily promoted in such a variety of ways i think is insanely irresponsible and i've got to i've got to assume that it's intentional yeah i agree it, on one hand it keeps people docile and subserv or am, am i saying that right Subs subservient is that right i think it does to a large degree on the other hand too it makes people volatile and angry and yeah but it doesn't last all that long you can't have like a revolution of drunk people because they're going to pass out they're going to start tripping they're going to start fighting amongst themselves yeah that's what i meant right. like you're going to have domestic abuse uh arguments with your spouse right. you're more likely to get <clears throat> fly off the handle and get yeah. angry at those close to you because you're in a stupid state and you're also too lethargic to be able to uprise or do anything so with that double hit there like that to a conspiracy theory i mean i yeah intentional yeah and then going back to like bud light uh specifically targeting children and they have so much fucking money that they can throw at this because you can buy like a i don't even know like a 24 pack or whatever 18 pack, 12 pack of bud light you know for extremely inexpensive yeah like, for not much money yeah and it costs pennies you know at best to like produce all those things so they've got so much money to throw at these marketing campaigns and they're hiring geniuses they're hiring people who have studied neuro-linguistic programming they're hiring people 
who actually study psychology, brilliant people, in order to learn the most effective ways of like placing things specifically in the frame and and um, using the word combinations that are going to set in motion processes in the brain that make us want those things, especially like you said to kids whose brains haven't even fully developed yet, highly impressionable, um, I think it's criminal. Yeah, that's really what I'm feeling too. Is it's it's criminal, and I just I kind of hope maybe it's idealistic or romantic to want to see justice served at some point. Yeah, I mean, there, there were, there's so many aspects where that's. I mean, I remember uh, when I first started going to, to community college, first day of community college, PCC, and I walk in. <clears throat> uh, over here, over here, there's like four different credit card companies set up at these tables trying to get these people to like sign up to get a fucking credit card. There I was, 18 years old. We come from a a, a, a family that didn't have a lot of money, you know? And so I signed up for all four. And they're offering like bags of peanut M&Ms. One of them was like a fucking slinky. Signed up for all these credit cards, got accepted all of them, canceled all of them besides one. And I had no idea how to like manage money. We didn't really learn that growing up about budgets and stuff. We were on food stamps and different like social services and stuff, but we, you know, largely we didn't, we, we were never really um, coached, mentored. We were never made aware of the pitfalls and the dangers of like credit abuse. Yeah, parents didn't teach it, friends didn't teach it. Uh, school. No, it's here. So these credit card companies with images, you know, of people like having so much fun and access to all these things with this credit card. So there I go. I've got a credit card. And I remember the first time they gave me a $500 limit. The first time I was ever declined, I was actually at Starbucks uh, buying some stuff for some friends. Declined. Okay, no big deal. Somebody else covered it. I got on the phone. I was like, hey, I just got declined. And uh, they're like, hey, well, how about we just raise your limit? And I was like, all right, sounds great. Immediately gave me like another 500 bucks. Within a couple of years, I had a $10,000 limit and it was completely maxed out. Having spent all that money on a couple of plane trips, mostly like pizza, tobacco, and alcohol. And I was $10,000 in debt. And they're like specifically gearing it towards young people and it's destroying people's lives. I think that that's also criminal because it's making credit card companies and financial institutions billion, billion, billionaires I agree. The credit card situation, very criminal. It affects a lot of people, you, me, and millions of others. And then colleges, too. Speaking of young people and, and scams to a large degree to prey on impressionable young people is um, colleges. Oh, it'll do wonders for you and all this. They're marketing right. to lure young people into their system and put them in debt. Credit cards, Bud Light. Oh, man. <laughs> it's dangerous out there. It's a dangerous... It's like, I feel like we're fish in a water and people up here have these like poles that are hooking us and trying to lure us in. What was that television show back in the 90s? Um, American Gladiator. That was awesome. That was awesome. Oh. But it's kind of like growing up and just like... The video game was good too. You get, you graduate high school or not, you know, but you still get thrown out there. You leave your parents' house and you're just out there. Now you have a job and we don't have a lot of responsibilities and we have a shit ton of cultural influences trying to get us to do things that are not good for us, that are terrible for us, and that are actually going to enslave us to the system. Now we're just fucked because we're a part of it, we're in debt, now I'm an alcoholic and I can't do much better 
you know, and it's just like downhill from there. So what made me think of that was like, you know, there were two contestants, you know, whatever the countdown, boom, go. And immediately you're out there and these people are trying to knock you down. You know, there's like swinging shit and they've got the joust things and they're like trying to like kick your ass yeah. and, and knock you out. And that's kind of like what it is to such a huge degree. Right. You know, situational awareness is one of the most important like survival techniques. And so if you want to survive and live a good life, just be aware of your surroundings and what you're seeing and hearing. And yeah. You know, what's really fucked up is like these marketing companies and these companies that do this, they pay all this much money and they make so much money by uh, the consumers because the advertising works. But who foots the bill for the um, for the wreckage? Taxpayers have to foot the bill for that, you know, uh, I for uh, all the people that wind up becoming like homeless. And there's been a couple times in my life where I was like this close to like being homeless, you know, if that next paycheck didn't come through, I, you know, I was... Oh, just a couple months ago. Uh, yeah. I'm always on the edge. Yeah, and I would have found ways to drink. But, like, <clears throat> the hospitals where alcoholics show up, cirrhosis of the liver, kidney failure, organ failure, uh, they show up at the hospitals, uh, government-funded, like, rehab centers and detox programs and stuff. That should be in the advertising for Bud Light. That should be in the advertising for like all these alcohol companies. It's like, yeah, let's, the first half of the commercial, we're going to show people having fun. But by law or whatever, maybe because they're ethical. Next half of the commercial, they're going to show <clears throat> the wreckage. Yeah, Please well, drink since we're on that, I just got to throw in one more thing here is that um, a few weeks ago when we were at our old place and we had a fireplace and I was crumpling up paper to start a fire. I saw in one of the local papers, like a thing on the back of home for homelessness, right? Donate to this, right? <clears throat> and the picture of the homeless person in question was like this mother and child who looked clean and somewhat happy, although distressed, but they, you know, <clears throat> looked pretty clean. I thought it was a misrepresentation of what 99, whatever, the most homeless people are not like that. Right. Most homeless people are... Yeah, there's females, but mostly the ones I've seen in my whole life are mm -hmm. males <clears throat> who are haggard, scruffy, dirty, all that. Obviously on alcohol and drugs of some kind, um, mentally unstable. That is not what I saw in the paper there. Some agency trying to get donations for homeless, allegedly. Yep. I thought, I don't know, I just want to say that that is a bit of a misrepresentation. I was a little bit mad. I was glad to put it in the fire. <laughs> it's like you're lying to me yeah and i mean i've actually never in my life seen a fairly decent looking woman with the child on the corner begging oh no it's always and bums with dreadlocks with the dogs that's the kind of bums i see yeah don't lie to me <laughs> The next thing I wanted to talk with you about is how addictions come in many forms. Primarily, we've been addicted to alcohol, but it comes in many forms. Uh, I want to talk about that and what other addictions we have currently going on for you and me and what are we going to do about them. So let's explore just uh, a handful of other addictions out there what other addictions we have and what we're going to do about them. You know, like, I mean, for example, I'll kick it off. Like, 
tobacco smoking we've been smoking probably longer yes longer than we've been drinking and um, I'm just like you know I want to go straight edge really I'd love to be just clean of all kinds of vices um, so that's like a big one for me um, I'm stopping my addictions one at a time though first alcohol is like the big one and then tobacco's next I haven't set a target date or anything but hopefully soon I don't know but what about you with tobacco and um, some of the some of the other addictions that people might be struggling with I'm not concerned about my own uh, tobacco use no no that's not on your radar like okay next month I'm gonna tackle this especially with not drinking I don't smoke as much you know because if I'm drinking at night I'm relatively smoking quite a bit if I'm not if I'm not drinking I just don't you know it's, it could be a whole day and I would have five cigarettes which I don't think is that crazy. I was just telling somebody earlier today, they were asking me that, like, yeah, when are you going to give up tobacco? And I was like, I'm not even thinking about that right now because mm. I don't even smoke that much. It's not really affecting my life. No, I hear you, and I, I'm inclined to agree with you, although it's probably true that, you know, you can say that now in your 40s, but it might be a different story in your 50s and 60s. Ha having just said that, I do recall recently hearing on a podcast another podcast i think it was joe rogan he had a guest on that was talking about some old guy who was like actually in his 80s running marathons he was a chain smoker there are outlying examples but by and large you know it's not something that people should probably be continuing and i'm not condoning that i'm not promoting that i'm not saying that people should do that i do think with um and i wanted to touch on this as far as addiction kind of bringing in a mental health, mental illness kind of component because they say that alcoholism is a mental illness. I think acting like everything is normal in this society is a mental illness. I forget who it was. I'm not going to try to pin it to anybody. I'm sure one of you guys out there can probably verify this, but it was somebody very well-known who said it is something like, it is not a sign of health um, to be considered sane in this society because of like this is like a sick twisted crazy probably oscar wilde or something something like that yeah um so it's a matter of perspective and i don't and again i don't want people to think like yeah just change your perspective and continue drinking as much as you drink or doing drugs as much as you want because that's uh not what i'm saying but I do think that it is like this mental conditioning that we have, you know? So yeah, I've been smoking since I was 12 years old. I'm 44. So I've been smoking for 32 years. Yeah. Doesn't bother me. Yeah, that's fine. Um, my MO in an average day is I work at the desk for 30 to 60 minutes until I feel like I need to stand up and take a break go outside my break is a smoke break yeah i might get a little snack or something drink some water go to the bathroom but so you're doing it like once an hour oh yeah and you'll smoke a part of a cigarette yeah rolling tobacco american spirit yeah i mean that's tobacco. when i'm at home and i'm like working in production at home for my own business yeah i'll go four or five hours yeah so i probably smoke more than you um and I, 
it's not ideal for me. I've just been too weak to stop over the years. But it's kind of it's really stupid because every day I want to, mm -hmm. every day I think about it, and then I just don't do it. So that probably does something negative to me, especially my sort of attitude where I have a tendency to like kick myself when I'm down. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, especially with something like that. If we can just be a little bit more gracious with ourselves and compassionate and forgiving with ourselves, that I think is going to be one of the first steps to making it easier right? and letting it go. So I think our primary addictions are alcohol, tobacco. Another one for me and many people is coffee. I, I've been drinking coffee every day for I don't even know how many years, many years. And Since my you started working at TGI Fridays? Exactly. I never worked there. What? You worked at what? What are them? Like pancake places? IHOP. IHOP. I never worked for T-Jack Fridays. IHOP. IHOP. Yeah. <laughs> way better. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. That was my first job when I was 14. So coffee is an addiction for me, too. I've been doing it every day for many years. It's it's sort of a... I'm reliant on it, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I would like to go without it. I want to be free. I want to be disciplined to not be reliant on anything that's not essential. So alcohol, tobacco, coffee. Coffee's a big one for many people, obviously. Another mm -hmm. big one that um, I was thinking about the other day is shopping. A lot of people are addicted to shopping. And recently, since I've been, we've had a little money, I've gotten the gear to invest in the studio. There's a bit of serotonin release or euphoria when oh, you... Absolutely. Or you're able to search for a purchase. You make the purchase you know the purchase is on the way because you can track it. And then when it gets here, and then when you open it, it's all of these serotonin releases. I was like, ooh, this is exhilarating. Uh, I get some from Amazon and whatever. And Again, with like the whole multi-trillion dollar campaign thing. I mean, Amazon and other companies making it just so, but one-click shopping, they make it so easy. So easy. And here's the other thing for me is that so I've noticed since the last few days, coincidentally, we had the money and I was investing for the studio and shopping and then cedar died and so i was wondering if it wasn't true that part of the wanting to cure or overcome the um grieving is to make a purchase fucking a right absolutely so i wonder how many people out there might be trying to cover up emotions through purchasing things shopping Addiction. Absolutely, yeah. Because if they can't go to alcohol, they'll do that. They'll binge shop. Yeah. To I mean, we could the the list just goes on and on and on and on and on. So, I think that this will be like the probably subject matter for at least one, probably many other episodes is. Uh, various forms of addiction and its relation to mental illness and um, how the interconnectivity of place and environment and how it all ties together and influences because it's not all just happening in a vacuum. It's not all just isolated. It would be, again, to quote another Stephen Harrod Buner book that I would recommend, uh, Plant Intelligence in the Imaginal Realm into the Dreaming of Earth. He calls it, uh, I, I actually don't know how to pronounce it correctly right now, gestalt, gestalt, uh, where something is more than the sum of its parts. 
you know, so I, I think that uh, the approach to, of like addressing mental illness and addiction as just it's uh, as an isolated event is actually harmful to the people experiencing it. And it's harmful to the people who are uh, working with it because it is really it has everything to do with the environment that a person grew up in. It has everything to do with the world that we live in. Um, and those things need to be taken into consideration. But yeah, that book, Stephen Herabuner, Plant Intelligence in the Imaginal Realm, talking about the interconnectivity of all of human life in the natural world. Mm -hmm. What, yeah, what are you reading? What's what's a book you like to? Well, the book I want to recommend to people in this episode is called Essentialism. The subtitle being The Disciplined Pursuit of less but better yeah by greg McEwen. yeah you haven't read it no no i've but, already been kind of practicing it for a long time yeah i'm some people like us we kind of all already practice it but um fascinating book really well written uh pleasure to read um and tracy and i actually listened to the audiobook version on a drive a couple years ago essentialism is not about getting more things done it's about getting the right things done yeah that's one of his phrases right. in the book yeah and it's similar to minimalism mm -hmm. yeah i mean like your bookshelf right there that's minimalism there's nothing we got to get some fucking books on that thing i know like i said this is yeah today's day one of the studio it's not quite perfect um but it's good enough for today but definitely kind of a minimalist setup here that's what i'm going for but some people will say, what's the difference between the two? Um, some of the differences could be argued or like inconsequential. But to me, the way I describe it to people is minimalism is like blue and cooler in the spectrum. Essentialism is warmer in the spectrum. It's more orange in the spectrum. Because to me, from reading the book and thinking about it, essentialism has more heart and soul in its approach. Minimalism is about reduction and clean empty aesthetic right i would say i'm probably more of a minimalist i don't like orange yeah well orange literally has nothing to do with essentialism that's just my visual on it gotcha <laughs> uh so oh uh, yeah i appreciate minimalism and like having nothing around sort of a zen garden no nothing superfluous or unneeded in a space or situation right uh it, it's synonymous with essentialism it's just a different a different approach on totally. the same conversation or topic yeah. or way of living mm -hmm. essentialism is reducing clutter and distractions as he says in the book to get the right things done what is meaningful totally so meaning meaning is a good word to yeah put in here in this conversation what is meaningful in your life whether it's the physical things around you or your projects or activities what brings you joy uh, and what is meaningful not only to yourself but to other people mm -hmm. your friends your family the uh, your neighbors the community right quality over quantity exactly yeah i think i've been accused of being lazy you know by a few people that reminds me of something i'll let you continue but i had a question i thought of i wanted to ask you today that's but i'm I'm actually not lazy i just don't like superfluous work mm. i don't like doing that i don't like being burdened by i know some people who have like projects up their fucking ass i'm like when are you gonna get all that shit done when are you gonna do something like i'm gonna get done what is essential 
and not just the bare minimum. That's not what I mean. I'm the most valuable things. I have a lot of energy to put into something. I'm going to choose something that's very valuable. That's going to like uh, have a lot of good in my life. It's going to do a lot of good maybe for some other people. Here's a great example. <clears throat> I like to keep my email inbox as close to zero as possible. You don't give a shit about that because you'd rather be working on the land, making it, right. you know, doing those kinds of productive things. Yeah. So that's essential for you. Yeah. And getting my email inbox to zero is not quite essential. Yeah. But I like doing it. But you spend a lot, it's more important to you to like check when these emails come in. You want to keep it clean because you have a lot more going on with the digital, the realm. digital realm. I yeah. don't. You yeah. Know, it's like cool fucking natural grocers and power awards. It is true. It, it is kind of, <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I set up all kinds of filters and stuff. I, I keep yeah. it clean. Very minimal digital. But I wanted to ask you something that I was thinking about because in a couple episodes when I was editing, I, I saw that you I saw that you said something about now that you're sober, you're able to be more productive. It might have been in one of your shorts, actually, that is on our social media that we post every day on. You said you're able to be more productive now or something like that, which seems it could be in conflict with what I've heard you say before, which is you're kind of a self-proclaimed anti-productivity guy. Like, no, no I because I, I like to be productive and I say that very uh, loudly. But I've heard you say before something to the effect of productivity is not important to you or something. This was back when you were mm -hmm. drinking a lot. I don't mm -hmm. know if you remember saying that. I do. Can you square that circle? Yeah, I can. I mean, are you? Do you want to be productive or not? Well, my ideal is that I basically have almost nothing to do, and I can just be. Humans have forgotten how to just be humans. We're overstimulated, overmedicated, overcaffeinated, and um, we've forgotten completely of what it means to just be a natural human being. And I love to sit under trees and read books and just meditate and stare at the creek and I'm not on drugs. Um, however, I do believe that there's some things that I really want to and need to get done here in this world that are going to have a big impact on people's lives, my business. Um, and I know that that's going to help quite a few people. And so I found myself being able to be more productive in this way instead of just being like hungover and kind of like lazy now I can get up and I have way more energy to go into production and get myself set up so I've got a big backstock I can resupply stores you know with this product and get out there on the land and help the other people who kind of like live there you know to do some good things whereas before if I'm like really hungover there's no fucking way I'm gonna go out there and move hundred pound cottonwood rounds you know like sweat my ass off and like stink to high heaven and just get like dizzy and want to go drink again it makes sense but i'm still a little confused but i think that you do like to be productive more when you're sober i think you were just possibly a little bit clouded when you were drinking a lot yeah or just saying some shit when i was drinking that yeah definitely happened yeah yeah you did say some shit when you were drinking yeah maybe you didn't really mean no, i watched i rewatched a couple of those early ones and i was like yeah that just wow that's that's how i sound when i'm drinking which is fine but it's just like it was different almost annoying to me mm. <laughs> yeah i don't know so i yeah i'm all about being a productive functioning human being but 
you know, I, again, I know some projects who are like, yeah, we could do this or we could do this or we could do this. And then they spend like all that time saying we could do this or we could do this or what about this? Spend all that time thinking about that and like talking about it when they could just be doing one of those things. Essentialism. Here's your checklist. Do one of them completely and do it really well. Move on. Prioritize and execute. Yeah. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. I love organization, structure, plans. As much as it doesn't look like it in my life, I do like a lot of aspects of like that. You know, I just seems like to you, you haven't for so long in the last years that you've been drinking. For sure. Yeah. I get the bare minimum done as well as I can. And then as early as I can kick my shoes up and start drinking. Yeah. Hmm. And that's not the case anymore. So I've just been able to like have a lot more energy and capacity to even entertain being more productive. Well, I love the sound of that. And it's yeah. only been a month. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. 21, 22 days. Yeah. So uh, many more great things on the horizon. I really believe. Yeah. So I'm glad that you're walking the path with me. Yeah. And I'm very glad that you are walking the path with us. Thanks for watching this episode. Thanks for being a part of the Sober Squad. You can connect with us on any of our social media channels. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, all of them. <laughs> Pick your favorite platform. Give us a follow there. We're posting every day. Um, We're not on Snapchat. Nah, we're not on all of them. We're not on Snapchat. We're on the essential ones. Essential for today because who knows what will be essential right. in three years. Yeah. But I would like to be doing this show for three years, five years, for a long time. Uh, we do have some great guests that we are lining up. We are getting them on the schedule in the calendars. We also got a weekly newsletter for the Sober Squad members that we're sending out once a week along with new episodes that come out every sunday morning thesoberbros.com you know what to do sign up for the newsletter give us a follow thanks for tuning in cool